the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. How are all my friends out there? Uh, On this Saturday, July 15th, a very, very hot day. But, hey, this is Texas. What do you expect, right? Uh, Got a lot of folks screaming and yelling that it's climate change. My friends, it's summer in South Texas. It is summer. Remember the famous uh, quote by uh, uh, Davy Crockett, I believe it was, or or somebody that said uh, that uh, the devil would uh, would uh, rent out uh, Texas because it was too hot and he'd live in hell, or maybe that, or something of the nature like that. But it is hot, and um, hey, we can live with it. At any rate, welcome to the show, my friends. We, uh, I just want to tell you that we've got a great lineup. You're going to want to hear the, the folks that we've got uh, today. We, um, our program specializes, my friends, in the issue of border crisis and immigration, of course. And the people that are going to speak to us today, my friends, uh, all have something to do with it. And it's going to curl your hair. Some of it is going to, uh, yeah, it's going to, it's going to frighten you. So anyway, welcome to the show, my friends. Thank you for joining us. Let me tell you real quick who it, who our guests are, because you are going to want to listen to them. You're going to want to call your friends and tell them to listen to it to the show. Uh, also, let me remind everybody, my friends, that um, the uh, program is always posted not only on my website, uh, on social media, fe- Facebook, Twitter, um, elconservador.net, as well as on the KLUP 9.30 a.m. station uh, website. It is posted there. Uh, all of the shows are posted there. So um, if you miss it or if your friends miss it, you can always go there to listen to it. So, all right, so let me tell you who our guests are because uh, it's uh, you're going to want to listen to them. First of all, uh, a very a very interesting gentleman who is a documentary producer from Finland. He's going to be here in Texas uh, this coming week to do a documentary about the um, the border. He uh, has done several documentaries in uh, around the world about um, migrations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, he is going to be talking to us in my, in our interview today about the Paris riots. You are going to want to hear about this, my friends, because we may be looking at the same situation here with unvetted uh, people coming in who uh, may eventually just turn on us. So um, you're going to want to listen to what uh, Armand Al-Assad has to say. Uh, Our next guest is Sheriff uh, Thaddeus Cleveland from, uh, uh, from Terrell County. And uh, you're going to want to listen to him because he's going to give us a an update of what is happening in his area, uh, in his part of the woods with the the, um, uh, the border crisis. Then we've got uh, Mr. Randy Clark, who is a reporter for Breitbart. He is going to be chatting with us regarding the issue of um, the bollards that are being placed in the river in the Rio Grande to uh, stop the uh, the people from uh, uh, floating across the river. Uh, lots of uh, anxiety on the part of the leftists on the open borders crowd. You're going to want to hear his report. And our final guest is uh, my good friend, uh, former Congressman Francisco Kiko Canseco. We're going to be talking about um, the uh, impact of Bidenomics 
on uh, the um, on the Hispanic community in Texas. You're going to want to hear what he's got to say. So, folks, thank you for joining us. Thank you very, very much for joining us today. Let's go to our first guest. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, said Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got uh, my good friend, Mr. Arman Alsant, who is uh, a Finnish uh, from Finland, a uh, Finnish documentary uh, producer. And uh, he's done documentaries all over the place. He is based, of course, in Finland, in Helsinki. And uh, he's talking to us from Helsinki today. I wanted to get him on to tell us about the Paris riots that are going on because he has some good insight into it. Uh, Armand, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Tell us about, tell us what you can about these riots that we have been seeing in um, in Paris. Thank you, George, so much for, for having me on, on the show. And hello, hello to everyone. Um, well, the, the situation uh, in, in Paris and in, in France and many other neighboring countries uh, in, in mid-Europe is, is pretty much out of hands right now. Um, there, there was an incident uh, where, where the police uh, shot the 17-year-old uh, boy from, from an immigrant background and that pretty much uh, blew up the whole, the whole situation all over France uh, within all the, the immigrant communities uh, the Muslim communities, and it, it sort of ex- exploded into this uh, hatred, uh, or showing the hatred towards uh, the police force, towards France, uh, basically towards Western democracy, uh, so to say. And, 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 and the roots for this go so many hundred years back. So it's it basically, it, it's a very complex situation of what has happened, what are, what are the roots, but but you have big or huge huge communities of of uh, people from immigrant backgrounds that have, that have come that have come from uh, the east or they have come from from Africa uh, from Muslim backgrounds uh, and and basically places uh, where where several of these countries which are having the problems right now uh, have colonized uh, hundreds of years ago so so basically it it uh, it has become become uh, sort of a place for for the people who move out of Africa uh, as a place to go to where they where they want to live their life or go in search of something something better uh, because they've been colonized a hundred years uh, hundreds of years ago they know the language uh, to them basically it's like going, going to the capital of, of the country uh, and they move there and the immigration laws um, they uh, they sort of uh, they are not strict enough uh, in many of these countries uh, to be able to sort out who is coming in and, and check out the backgrounds to know who is coming in, uh, what the background of these people are. Uh, there's there's a lot, of, like yeah, like you know yourself at, at the border right now in, in Texas, that when a lot of people come, if 100,000 people come, come over the border uh, and, and it's not controlled, the possibility of, of bad people coming over is, is huge. So, yep. so that is what has happened over the years. And now there's, there's this, uh, there are huge communities who already have a chip on their shoulder, who already see France or, or England or Belgium as the enemy. And they have, they have uh, been living in these countries. They have children there. And these, uh, this hatred has come down from generation to generation to generation. And it just doesn't leave. And, and, and this is, this is what it has exploded. There's, there's a lot of hatred, uh, towards these countries who are taking care of these people, but they still see them, uh, even though they're, ta- they have been given a new home in this country, they still treat that country as the enemy. That's incredible. You know, um, again, we see similarities, or at least I have seen the similarities in that people coming into the United States, these immigrants coming into the United States, um, yeah. they are not being assimilated or encouraged to assimilate. On the contrary, this exactly. whole idea of diversity, they, they are respected and their cultures, they, they maintain their culture. They segregate themselves uh, culturally yes. and linguistically. And uh, I see very much the same pattern that uh, has been going on in, in Europe. Do you think uh, 
Do you think that what has happened in France, in Paris, and what is happening in other places in, in Europe with these communities, do you think uh, that uh, we should be careful here in the United States? I would say that everybody I would should be careful. I, I think it's it's just common sense. People who are in need of help should be helped if possible, and and that is that is, uh, that is something I think that everybody believes in. And and uh, but but not uncontrolled, not not uh, against the law. There should be no illegal immigration. There should everything should go by the by the law. Uh, the, the the people should be helped in the ways that are, that are possible, but. Not not in a way that it's uncontrolled, because as long as it's uncontrolled, the situation will get worse and worse. It's it's uh, you're having you're having a boat uh, that that's filled with holes, uh, and you're drilling in more holes if you're not controlling the situation. Do you think so it's, it's yeah. not going to get better? Do you see any efforts in any of these countries? I mean, it, uh, is is this the result that that these countries just didn't encourage? Um, assimilation and integration? I think that one problem, like, I, I've been living in, in Finland for, for over 40 years, uh, and and I've been saying the same thing for over 40 years, that if anybody comes over the border uh, from another country, the, the, the culture of the, the current country should be taught to the, to the people coming over. The language, basically, of that country should be taught. Even, like, even by force, you should, have, you should make a contract with these people. We'll give you a new home. Uh, you can go to school here. You'll have uh, free health care and free education. Uh, but one thing that we ask or demand of you is that you learn this language and you will go to these courses and you will learn this language and, and that way you will be able to employ yourself and, and in, a, in a way in the long term you and your family will pay back to society what you have received now I think that's just common sense but it doesn't happen there is not enough effort uh, in teaching the language and I think that, that the language is the first and most important thing that anyone should learn because it has so much culture that the sayings in every language have, uh, say a lot about every every person uh, like every country's culture. So you you will have learn the cultural differences through a language. You will learn uh, emotional differences through a language through a language. And it's, I think it's the most important thing. But there's no effort put in. To, to doing that, people who come from uh, from uh, areas that have been in crisis for for ten, tens of uh, for decades, uh, you will have people coming into Finland or France or England uh, who are already illiterate. They even don't know how to write and read their own language from where they come from. And if they don't learn Finnish, then then what's going to happen to their kids? Their kids are going to be uh, in a in a the, the peer of of those kids uh, is is not. An educated peer—it's yeah. going to be difficult for the kids uh, to to do well in school. They will feel bad. They will join gangs. They will uh, be separated. They will feel depressed, and, that, and nothing good will come from that. And we are seeing that. We are seeing that in in the groups that are coming into the United States right now. They are the poorest of yeah. the poor, and uh, they're having a difficult time assimilating as it is. Uh, exactly. Finding jobs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, they're they're the least educated, and uh, it's uh, I, I just don't see I see some problems ahead. Uh, there's definitely problems if this is not uh, looked into and and if there's no actions taken. Uh, I just saw an interview which was really interesting, uh, which was by a Middle Eastern Muslim imam. Who was saying this? And it's in English. I can send you the clip. Uh, when, uh, I will look for it and I will send that to you. And he was saying that uh, you don't see the same. They were talking about Paris, and he said that uh, okay. Do you see the same uh, crisis in Oman? Do you see the same crisis uh, in the Emirates? Do you see the same crisis in, in uh, Dubai? Do you see the same crisis in Singapore? And they are all Muslim majority countries, but there's no crisis. So basically, what the West has done is they have. Uh, this is what the Imam is saying: that what you have done, your your mistake is that you have taken people who are uneducated, who are very religious, uh, who basically live by one religious book, and and are completely uneducated otherwise, and you take them in uh, as cheap labor, and this is the price that you pay now for everything that you've done. Wow, interesting. 
Armand, we're going to let you go. Thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us and, and uh, instruct us. You'll be coming soon to Texas, and we're looking forward to, to hosting you, buddy. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm actually coming. Uh, I'll be there on Monday. Oh. So I'll see you in a week. You got it. Welcome to the – we're going to welcome you to the big state. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a good one. Once again, my friends, we've been talking with uh, Mr. Armand Alsat, who is uh, a documentary – uh, producer in Helsinki, Finland. Thank you very much, Armand. Thank you so much. See you soon. Bye-bye. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got uh, our good friend, Sheriff Thaddeus Cleveland, from Terrell County, uh, Texas. Terrell County is directly west of us. In fact, it's west of Eagle Pass and Del Rio, uh, we would consider it very much a uh, a desert area, a uh, wide open spaces, uh, something akin to what you might see on Lonesome Dove. <laughs> but Sheriff, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Sheriff, give us an update of what is going on in your part of the border there. Hey, well, good afternoon, Mr. Rodriguez, and, and uh, as always, appreciate you having me on. And, uh, and you, as you described it, um, you know, being west of uh, Del Rio Nico Pass, out in the Chihuahuan Desert, um, and as I've mentioned to you before, this is the, the roughest, toughest terrain there is on the, the entire southwest border, the 2,000-mile stretch border with Mexico. Um, we have hit, you know, those those high summer um, temperatures, I tell you, we had we had a couple of weeks of, of well over 100 degrees and and uh, just just enormous heat and uh, tough to get out there and work. Um, fortunately, we're not seeing the same level of activity as we had been seeing um, over really the last three months, um, May, June, and actually two months, and now beginning July. Um, we've seen a, a, a noticeable, a significant decrease in illegal alien activity. Um, and with that being said. You know, historically, when, when we got into the summer months, starting in May, um, and, and this is going back prior to the Biden administration, um, we would see really a, a serious decrease in activity like we're seeing now. Um, however, the last two years, we had seen just a, a lot of crossings throughout the year, just more than we've ever had it. And as we've discussed, unprecedented levels. But we're, we're very slow right now, which is good because, as you mentioned, it's, it's hot out there. Now, do you see, do you get... Uh, what do you get more in your area? Is it human trafficking or is it the drug trafficking? No, sir. Um, almost all um, human trafficking. We used to have you know some marijuana seizures, but um, we went through a, a period of time where, in, in the way they would they would actually smuggle marijuana into the country here, is they would fly it south of the border. They land at, at little airstrips um, in, in Mexico and they would they would offload and then backpack it across. Well, we have what's called the Air Marine Operations Center in Riverside, California. It's part of Customs and Border Protection. And they have radars they monitor and they would notice these radar fades. So they would give us those coordinates. We would pass those along to the government of Mexico, Puerto Coahuila, and they would go in and, and they'd actually make either successful seizures or they'd destroy airstrips. Um, so with that being said, that really dried up our narcotics traffic marijuana smuggling about four or five years ago so now it's just human smuggling and uh, and again the last two years have been those unprecedented numbers. Now because of the uh, the drop in the numbers does that necessarily mean you're doing three fewer rescues uh, of folks out in the uh, out in the desert? Not at all, actually. And I don't have me and my partner were just talking today um, about the rescues because we, we've had quite a few. And, and as I've mentioned to you before, you, you know, with with nine one one, you know, in our our, our area, we, we spend we have more nine one one calls for the aliens that are in distress or or ready to surrender. And there's even times we have nine one one calls that come out of Mexico just due to the lay of the land. Um, they may not even cross the river yet. They may hit a tower on this side. So we've we've actually actually coordinated with the government of Mexico to uh, to make some successful um, life saving efforts in Mexico. Um, but but unfortunately, with, with this hot summer heat, we we've, we've had um, two deaths last month. 
one was in June, one was actually in Terrell County, the other one was in Brewster County, but it was still on the Border Patrol Station area of operations. So um, we've had six total this year. Wow. Thus far. Wow. Now, uh, again, you're, you're a, Terrell County is a small county population-wise, huge county area-wise. Uh, how are you folks dealing with your budget in this whole uh, border crisis? Yes or no. It, it you know when you, when you start talking about you know some of the the deaths we have, so j- just the the retrieval of those bodies and then passing them along to the funeral home. You know, there's an expense there. So a, a lot of times, or, or sometimes, we'll have bodies that that aren't identified. So we may have to take care of them here at, at our local, give them a you know a, a, a place of to rest. Um, some we are able to coordinate with the, the families, and there's still an expense there. And then, you know, we've had to have a few where we've ordered autopsies, and then there's a tremendous expense there. So, fortunately, through Governor Abbott's Operation Lone Star, we've been able to uh, to recoup some of those those expenses on on those deaths. Um, we actually we just got um, we just started a um, a program with the state, you know, what, what they've been doing in Kitty County already as far as turning over their smugglers to, uh, to be detained in, in state detention centers. We've been holding people here either in our jail or we've been having to use, um, a couple other neighboring county jails to hold people. And that was costing us about 20,000 a month. And these were all smugglers. So fortunately, we're able to recoup some of those expenses as well, um, through Operation Lone Star as well as several other expenses that, that we incur with um, operation uh, operations along the U.S.-Mexico border. The, um, uh, we have seen where, where other states are sending uh, troopers uh, to assist. Uh, do, you, do you folks get any of these, uh, of, of these uh, out-of-state troopers to help you? You know, that they haven't seen anybody from out-of-state. We're still continuing to receive in-state support from, uh-huh. uh, from the public safety to Texas Parks and Wildlife Game Wardens, as well as as Texas Military Forces. So, I, I, again, as you described it when you started the show, and, and as I elaborated on a little bit more, you know, this is just uh, one of the most remote areas, and with that comes the lack of amenities. So, you know, we have one restaurant in town, very good place to eat, um, but it's only one for our community. Same thing with lodging; we've, we've got a hotel, but you know, to in order to really sustain an operation like that long term, it it, it it requires, you know, more amenities. So when we receive troopers that come in, a lot of times they'll lodge in Del Rio or over in Fort Stockton and then drive down for their shift. Wow. So uh, I think there might be a little bit of reason why they, you know, they send some to other parts uh, of the state where there's a little bit more to offer, if you will. Right. But again, what the state continues to give us um, suffices and, uh, and we're grateful. Gotcha. So let me ask you uh, one last question. I mean, you know, and uh, uh, do you see any end to this whole situation, or do you? I mean, and and uh, if not, what do you think needs to happen? Yes, sir. Uh, I, I don't see an end um, until we get a new administration. You know, have a, a new um, president come in and, and really put some some focus and some effort on the border. Um, as I've said many times, you know, it's a, it's a problem that can be solved overnight. Um, you know, um, I'm not sure if you've seen a couple of here recent um, talks I've given where I, I talked about, you know, 99 years the Border Patrol has been around. We Back in May, we had our 99-year anniversary. Um, now we're into our 100th year, and, you know, all that progress that we've made along the southern border with fencing, um, you know, with other infrastructure such as load, roads, some lighting, uh, the technology we put in, and, and of course the manpower we put on. You know, in a matter of six months under this administration, they were able to dismantle all of that. So it, it's going to take some more effort put back on and focus put back on the border. Um, someone who, who really wants to get get this thing finally solved. It, it is solvable. We're still the smartest and most advanced country in the United States or in the world, and uh, and we have the abilities. We just need someone who's going to, again, get in there and put that focus and effort on the border. Yep, somebody that's got the willpower, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, really? We've got, you know, men and women that know how to do it. They've been doing it their whole careers. And, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of smart folks out there, and, and uh, they just need to be given that ability. Now, Sheriff, you served in the Border Patrol at one point uh, for your career. 
Um, yes, sir. Did you ever see the situation as bad as it is now? No, not at all. Not at all. And, and, and again, you, you know, I came in in the, the mid-90s where, you know, Arizona, you Nogales, know, Arizona, it was, it was ground zero, if you will. You know, we were having 1,000 um, apprehensions a day, 30,000 a month. Um, but again, as, as we put in, just, just like they had done in El Paso before that in, in San Diego, once they put in that infrastructure, that technology and that manpower and the consequences coupled with all of that, that really creates a secure border envi- environment. And then that just spread. Um, as you and I have discussed, you know, the, the last place on the border that really is unsecured is, is this Big Bend region, the stretch of border from, from Terrell County all the way up to Hudspeth County. Um, again, there's not a lot of infrastructure south of us in Mexico to facilitate a large flow, but we've seen, you know, again, significant increases this past two years that, uh, that we know it's possible. So, um, it, it's unlike ever before. And, uh, it, we just got to get someone in there that can make it better. Yep. It's an area the size of New York State and very, very sparsely populated. Very spot. Lots of rattlesnakes <laughs> in that area. They're out, they're out and they're buzzing, George. <laughs> We've been speaking with our good friend, Sheriff uh, Thaddeus Cleveland from uh, Terrell County, Texas. Sheriff, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Stay safe out there, young man, okay? Yes, sir. God bless you. Thank you, sir. You got it. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got uh, our very good friend, Mr. Randy Clark, who is a Breitbart reporter, the Breitbart reporter in the Del Rio area. I wanted to get him on because uh, we're going to get an update about what's going on in Del Rio, as well as his latest report uh, regarding a protest against um, the governor of Texas's efforts to uh, secure the border. Randy, thank you for taking time to be with us as usual. Uh, how are things in Del Rio? And tell us about this um, protest that occurred. Well, this protest occurred uh, several days ago in Eagle Pass as the buoy system was being brought into town, and that's obviously part of a project that Governor Abbott is is installing, and that's a system of floating barriers that it, that's made by a company here in the United States, the Cochrane Company. And basically, it's going to be a thousand feet of border barrier that that can be deployed and redeployed in uh, busy crossing areas at the river. I think the governor is trying to do everything he can to slow this flow down. Uh, we know apprehensions are slower, but that's a lot having to do with legal pathways that are open and people just walking across land border ports of entry now uh, under this administration. The project was protested by several dozen people and one of the I think if there's a silver lining it only garnered the support of about two dozen protesters many of those who were not from the Eagle Pass area they were from Laredo uh, certainly open border advocates a lot of the banners that they were carrying advocated for defunding the wall uh, and allegedly funding the future uh, so it, it really didn't have much of an impact. The project is continuing, according to my source within DPS, and they are actively on it and expect it to be completed by two weeks. Uh, now, so that's the good news. Yeah. Now, now, now this uh, these boys tell us a little bit about uh, their their floating devices. They're they're like floating devices that are in the water, correct? And it's and it's meant to to um, at least slow down uh, the people coming across. Yes, that's correct. These buoys are manufactured by a company that specializes in, in security for a number of resources, not just border security, but also anti-terrorism security around docked ships. Uh, it's, it's really to keep folks from being able, they're spinning bollards, they're four feet in diameter, uh, and they're also tethered uh, with some netting into the water. So it's hard to swim under them, and they spin when you try and cross over them. In, in more hostile environments, uh, they actually carry spikes on them. These uh-huh. bollards do not have that feature. They're smooth and they're round. So they certainly are going to uh, force most migrants that may be in family units and what have you to, to move away from that area. So it, it should prove effective in that sense. 
Uh, but, you know, granted, any barrier that you install, if there is no policy behind it uh, for removal and application of the immigration laws, uh, they're less effective. We know that even with a wall. The wall is great. If you have it in place, it certainly almost drops narcotic smuggling to very isolated incidents and gives the border patrol more chance to make apprehensions because it slows them down. But the policy of prosecuting those offenses or using the immigration laws the way they're designed to expel those that are not eligible to come into the United States under immigration law. If that's not enforced, which we, I think, can most agree, this administration is not enforcing the immigration laws of the United States. They they prove less, you know, less effective in slowing that traffic down. It usually will cause them to move, but it will not stop the traffic. Now, you said that this was the good news. What's the bad news that's going on? <laughs> Well, you know, I, I think the bad news is we're, we're seeing a shift from uh, people crossing the Rio Grande, which they are still doing. Yesterday I was out on the border uh, running around doing some reporting, and there's still groups of close to 50. They're coming even in the heat of the day and this horrible South Texas heat we're, we're seeing right now. Uh, but the administration is now shifting that to legal pathways that are land border ports of entry. And that's what's reducing those illegal crossings. But the, the demographics of the people are the same. We, we know that 1,450 are allowed through seven border ports daily, and all they have to do is make a cursory claim that they fear going back to their home country. And they're allowed to come in. Uh, there's also a program that allows another 1,000 a day to come in via airports, and that's primarily for Haitians, Cubans, Venezuelans, and Nicaraguans. Uh, it's a, it's incredible. So, I mean, for all practical purposes, uh, we're playing word games here, and people are coming, I mean, illegally into the United States, and then once they're in the United States, they're kind of given a, a legal uh, uh, card, a card to or, uh, some kind of designation, and they stay, and heaven knows how long they're going to stay, right? Well, and many are not given anything as far as actual documentation to prove their legality beyond a, a notice to appear that right. just says they're in removal proceedings. Uh, however, sanctuary cities are providing a lot more. Uh, there was a recent story that I just did a few days ago where a contact that I met in Brownsville, who's a Venezuelan national, within 45 days of arriving at New York, he has his own hotel room. Uh, he says many of the migrants have found underground employment. He works for a cleaning company, is allowed to drive a vehicle every day to work the days that he does. He's paid for cash. Oh in cash. He's not, he's not contributing to the tax base whatsoever. And he's living in the hotel that he describes as really excellent conditions. They have 15 National Guard soldiers per shift coming in to provide security and help feed them. Uh, they have stacks of food that are available 24-7 when they decide they're they're hungry. They just ask for food. And they're given free health care. The free health care is provided uh, by a company called Molina Healthcare. It's no premiums. It carries dental and vision. Uh, prescriptions are a dollar and three dollars, depending on whether you get a, a generic or a name brand prescription. And that's within 45 days of getting here. And they haven't even registered with ICE to begin their asylum, their formal asylum claim. He has it, at least. So he says many are, are, are making that decision whether they're going to turn themselves in and let the proceedings start or just realizing that no one's ever going to look for them. Just continue continue to remain in the shadows because it's quite lucrative. That's incredible. Now, this is in New York City, correct? Yes, that's in New York but City. But I would imagine that other sanctuary communities, I mean, yeah, I would imagine that places like San Francisco or, or Los Angeles probably have similar, uh, similar situations where uh, an, an illegal alien can just live in the uh, in the shadows very comfortably. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, we, we've got the Obamacare program, and so if you can prove that you're indigent, there is no bar as far as your legal status of obtaining benefits. This person has proven that. Uh, in fact, he showed me his health cards. Uh, so it's, like I say, there there's some benefits that even myself as a federal retiree, I, I have to pay for dental and vision, and I don't get free health care. I have to pay for that. So it angers a lot of Americans. But this is the system. You know, this this gentleman is not gaming the system. He's just working inside the system. We have set up systems that, that are the draw to come here. You know, he's he's enjoying life, and, and I don't blame him. He's decided that this is what you all are willing to give me, and I'm going to take that. And thousands of others are doing that daily. So, I mean, uh, for years, for years, the discussion has been 
that we need to remove incentives to illegal immigration. But under this administration, it seems like we've just increased them. We have. And, and I think the biggest push to decrease those incentives we saw during the last administration where there were dozens of programs that meant you were not going to get released into the United States. You're not going to get the reward before the qualifications are demonstrated. And so most migrants, especially those that were in the overcrowded facilities that we heard Democrats complaining about, they were being detained because there was no catch and release and they were being removed. And many of them very promptly removed. We all remember the the wait in Mexico program, Remain in Mexico. Mm -hmm. That was very effective in reducing down to 400 and some odd thousand apprehensions in, in the year in 2020 that now, just even in a partial year, we're over a million four for legal entries between ports of entry, not including those that have been admitted at the land borders under these special programs. And now the Biden administration has announced another program for family visas that is going to allow 100,000 Central American migrants that are pending visa approvals to come in under parole. That's going to undermine our immigration system, legal immigration system, because there are people who have been waiting for those visas outside the country from a host of different countries for years because there are caps on countries and listed at 7%. Well, they're going to forego all of that and allow another 100,000 to come in. They have approved petitions, but their caps wouldn't allow them. They had to wait. So now they're going to bring them to the front of the line from Central America over other countries where people may have, including Mexico, where people have, might have been waiting five, six, seven, eight, ten years or more. Wow. Now, uh, regarding the um, the situation at the river, when, when DeSantis was here uh, a couple of weeks ago when he visited Eagle Pass, uh, some folks went down to the river and we saw the, um, the uh, uh, wire that has been set up and of course, a lot of uh, of illegal aliens had just gotten across the river, upset that the wire was there and uh, demanding, you know, that it be removed and demanding that uh, they be allowed to get in and that they were hungry, they were thirsty, et cetera, et cetera. Does that wire the, does that wire barrier continue to work? In my opinion, I mean, uh, it seemed to be working then, but does it continue to work? Well, you know, it's. You will never know what it's not doing. You know what I mean? In other words, there are still people that are going to get around that. Oh, yeah. If they can reach U.S. soil, there is a policy uh, in the Border Patrol that they cannot force people to go back into the water. They cannot force them to return to Mexico once they hit land. Oh, my God. So many understand that these Border Patrol agents are facing jail if they don't rescue these people from behind that wire because the temperatures are 109 degrees. So that's a little bit of a rift right now that they, people see the Border Patrol actually cutting that wire in yes, instance yes. and allowing those migrants in. So that's They have it. no choice by policy. Uh -huh. uh, if everybody remembers, you know, a recent case, there was a Border Patrol that went to prison for two years that President Trump pardoned, and he tried to stop a migrant from running by placing his foot on him and caused no injuries. He still went to federal prison for two years. So... The border patrol agents are very weary about following policy. They have to, and that is their policy. So you can put up barriers, but you're you're going to get pulled on this side of them if you make it to dry land. Wow! I think that's the impetus for a floating barrier. Yep. Wow! Incredible, Randy. Thank you as usual for taking time to be with us. Tell the folks where they can follow you. They can find me at uh, Breitbart.com under our world page, the Cartel Chronicles. All my work is featured there. They can follow me on Twitter at Randy Clark BBTX. And you can read about all of the illegal aliens, my folks, that are crossing <laughs> or the ones that are living a good life in New York. <clears throat> right, Randy? <laughs> Thank you, George. I sure appreciate your time today. You take care. Once again, George Rodriguez talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our very good friend, former Congressman Kiko Francisco Canseco. And uh, I wanted to reach out to him because um, the Biden administration has gone on the offensive talking about how good Bidenomics the economy is or has become under the Biden administration. Now, let's remember, folks, that um, 
the price of gasoline, for example, spiked at uh, $4.10, $4, $4.10, uh, at least here in the San Antonio area, but it is now down to $3.10. Uh, never mind that it was once, uh, uh, not too long ago, it was at uh, $2, but, you know, Bidenomics has brought the price of gasoline down. Kiko, thank you very much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you, George, and, and it's a pleasure being here with you. I, I always enjoy being on your show and, and hearing your show. And I think that, that the topic that you've presented today is a very important topic. You know, having been born like you in Laredo, Texas, a Hispanic city, where even those people that have Irish or English last names are really truly very Hispanic. Um, and the, the thing is, how many of us since World War One, World War Two? have served in the military, served our country. We're truly Americans. Uh, we maintain sometimes our own sort of uh, culture that has been acclimated into the American system. But we are Americans, and first and foremost, as Americans. And, and I cry out because many people don't recognize how this administration, with its uh, Bidenomics, which really spans everything from economy to healthcare to global initiatives, et cetera, are really, really hurting not just the Hispanic community, but the whole country. And, and the idea that my parents, my grandparents, and, and antecedentes came to this country to embrace the American system and they melted into the American system and embrace it and live it with opportunities that they have embraced not maybe in the first generation but in the second, third and fourth and so forth you're, you're looking at a, a government that through everything that it does is diminishing the American dream is diminishing the um, value of living in this country. It is uh, opening up the borders just to people from Latin America. And I, and I mean that because the majority of them are coming from Africa, from China, from the Middle East, and from a lot of other countries, Russia, for instance, Iran, and other countries that just don't like us. And they're coming in here not because they're searching for the American dream, but because somebody told them to go in there because there's a lot of freebies. It's like having somebody going out there and giving free stuff, and, and they're going to go out there and grab it. But what they don't realize is that this, as a part of Bidenomics, is designed to degrade the American economy, to degrade the American educational system, because... There are a lot of children and a lot of people that are going to need education, and it's going to crowd out those Americans, uh, whether they're Hispanic or otherwise, out of the schools, out of the health care system. Imagine what it's going to do to grandma and grandpa's health care and security or, you know, a social security um, income for those that are disabled or those that need it, and those social services that we need. All those things, not to mention the amount of jobs and the amount of pay that you're going to get for your current job. It's going to completely be a disaster. It's not the same as having maybe 10, 20 people come in during the month or 20 people coming in during the month that are seeking an American dream because they know what America can provide for them and their families. It is an invasion that's coming in and completely overwhelming our systems. Not to mention what we're doing with China and with Europe. We're abandoning Europe, which is the cultural center of what created us as a country. And those good values uh, that they have in Europe, but they also have bad values tied in with them 
but we took the purified values and brought them into this country and formed a nation that's going to take care of everybody by self-propelled opportunities that it gives to the individual, freedom to the individual. Those things are tied in with Bidenomics, and it's taking ours, yours, opportunities away. Imagine, you know, my wife and I, we like the corn tortillas because the corn tortillas are really Mexican. The, the flour tortillas, they're, they're Texan. But I, I, I enjoy a good, good um, corn tortilla. And the best way to do it is a la mecha. And a la mecha means that you're going to turn up the the, the, um, the stove, the, the gas stove, and just sort of cook the tortilla. And it comes out very crunchy and very, very good. But guess what? The Biden administration, with its ridiculous ideas of getting rid of all fuss, is going to deny us the opportunity to have tortillas a la mecha. <laughs> What's the matter with this country? I mean, seriously, we are being invaded. We are being handed over to communist China uh, and allowing them to come in and control us. You know, and, and not to go on and on, but back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, you know, we feared Russia because they'd come in with tanks and arms and the whole thing and try to communize us. What the Chinese are doing is they're coming in through stealth. They're coming in underground. They are doing it secretively and coming into our businesses and our corporations and in our other areas, finding the weaknesses of saying, well, you know, this guy, he needs money, so we're going to pay him to allow us to come in and control this thing. Whether it's healthcare, whether it's our economy, whether it's it's a lot of other things, our God-given rights that are enshrined in the Constitution of this country are being completely taken over. And all that I call Bidenomics, the, <laughs> the destruction of this country. The, uh, I've said too much. Yeah, no, the, the situation, um, uh, like the, the other last week when uh, the, uh, the work, uh, the number of jobs that had been created came out as well as the inflation rate. Inflation rate, the, the Biden folks were, were applauding that it's down from 9% down to 7% uh, per month. That's, that's the inflation rate. The uh, number of jobs that were created were uh, a little less than 300,000. Um, all of that, plus they announce more government programs, more government spending to help people, as they put it, to help people, and um, you know, it seems like all we're doing is just spending more government money, spending, putting ourselves more in in debt, and uh, that has an impact on uh, on the economy. It has a it has a huge impact on the economy. And let me add something there: having been in Congress and seeing what goes on with things, especially with regards to the economy, there is no factual thing that you can grab and say this is true and real it's how you express it and how you emphasize certain things in order to make things sound good the true test of the economy is what are you paying for bread for meat for chicken for eggs uh, for milk what are you paying for gas what are you paying for things not what not what the politicians tell you that the economy is doing well. It is how you feel. Did you get your raise? Yeah. Or is if you didn't get a raise, is the amount of money that you had thought was more than sufficient to maintain your household, is that no longer sufficient? Right. Uh, and you're not getting a raise? Or you're getting a notice that we can't hire you anymore? I mean, all those things are indicative true indices of what's wrong with our economy not what the politicians tell you that the economy is period that's right that's right it's when you go to HEB that you that you realize what the economy is like <laughs> or, or when you when you re, when you uh, fill up your gas tank 
Kiko, thank you very, very much for, for joining us today. I sincerely appreciate it. Anything else you'd like to add before we let you go? Well, I'd like to say that, that I think that what we're seeing in South Texas is an awakening of a Hispanic population that is now approaching to be a majority population in the state of Texas. We are indeed true Texans. We are here. We are part of this system. We are part of the country. Uh, no matter whether your name is Rodriguez Gonzalez, Gutierrez, or Canseco, no matter what, you are an American and you are a Texan. And we're finding a huge amount of pride in that. And when those ideals that we came to this country in order to cultivate and be a part of, true part of, are being not just threatened, but are being destroyed before our eyes in a short span of two and a half years. We have to open our eyes and we have to more than get involved in our nation and in the path that it's going to take in the future. That's very, very important. No longer are you going to sit and say, ah, give up. we're just going to leave it alone. No, it's time for all of us to get personally involved because we have an ownership in this state and in this and in this country. Amen. I could. Yeah, that is an excellent way to say it. We are Americans, and if it happens to America, it's happening to us. <laughs> Correct. You got it, Kiko. Thank you so much, folks. We've been speaking with with my good friend uh, Francisco Kiko Canseco, former congressman from Texas. Thank you very much. Stay cool, my man. <laughs> Take care, George. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today, my friends. We want to remind everyone that uh, if you're interested in advertising uh, on our program, please uh, contact myself or the station. Uh, we are always looking for advertisers. That's how we um, uh, make our living. That's how we stay afloat. And if you're interested in uh, supporting the uh, uh, El Conservador uh, through uh, donations, you can contact us, uh, and uh, we have a 501c3 tax-free donation uh, that we uh, partner with, and uh, again, we welcome your donations, we welcome your, your support, that's how we stay afloat, and free speech is the bottom line. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Until next time, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.